Maybe I'm misremembering, but don't we currently have a moratorium on storage facilities as well as gas stations too? Yes, but those can't go on forever because somebody's going to eventually file a lawsuit and say, you're holding us up from using our property or profiting off of our property. We eventually will have to pass permanent ordinances or permanent zoning changes for us to develop the way that we want. Moratoriums don't last forever. We can't just hold them in limbo. And so we have to come up with permanent solutions to these issues. The Stone Press Podcast. awareness within our community. Hey, neighbors, we're back. No? You didn't like that? Go ahead, do it. You didn't like it? Go, do it. We're back. No? Okay, fine. Anyway, we're very happy to be back here with you today after we've taken our several-week hiatus to make sure that you guys took the time to focus on each and every election episode. We hope you paid attention and voted in the know because the results are in. Mayor Jasmine Cobble is still Mayor Jasmine Cobble, and we also have a runoff coming up, so make sure that if you are in District 2, that you are gearing up to learn more about Robert Turner and Terry Fye. Um, And in addition to that, you can listen to the podcast so that you can hear about them. And we're going to try to get them back here on the podcast. Yes. I know the community has a lot of things, a lot of questions they want answered. Yes, and that... With that in mind, actually, why don't you guys go to info at stonecrestweekly.com and submit your questions. All District 2, all District 1, 3, 4, and 5 residents, because every city council person impacts all of us. We have the opportunity to vote for our representative, but when a council person is voting on a new business, when they are voting on a zoning change, all of their votes impact us. So please make sure that you're paying attention to this runoff election. And if you know anyone in District 2, encourage them to get out on December 5th and vote for their council person. All right. Well, we've said enough. Last time we tried to do this intro, you wanted to pat yourself on the back, Gaza. Is that still the case? Yes. I wanted to congratulate us for all the hard work we do in the community. <laughs> you know, you sound like Snoop Dogg. I feel like I'm doing community service. You sound like Snoop Dogg. All the wrong I've done in my life. I'm making up for that now. <laughs> all, the, all the free work. But no, we should, we should pat ourselves on the back. Give me a high five. Yeah. Oh, look at we, us. We did that. Look at us. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, we, look got, at us. we were able to cover all, all the mayors, right? all the mayoral um, candidates yes. and all the council candidates. And yes. uh, we've been good timing and get everything out for everybody to hear and consume the content. So. And I'm proud of us. We did good. We did. You know what? Let's do, because I've said Snoop Dogg twice, so now I have to do it. No, you know, I want to thank me for being me. Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> right. No, who did that? That was a... Uh, Snoop Dogg. No, no, not the Snoop Dogg. That was... um Snoop Dogg. What's that lady name? Snoop Dogg. Okay, well, I think of... I know Snoop Dogg wears Shirley Temple curls sometimes, so you might have got confused, but it was Snoop Dogg. Okay. Whole time. Every uh, time. Snoop Dogg it is. You know? Okay. Anyway, well, we are holding our guest hostage today with somewhat of our shenanigans. So we are about to pivot and we are proud to introduce to some and present to others our neighbor, Mr. Joel Thibodeau. Thank you for being here today. Yes. 
Of course. Good evening. How y'all doing? We're doing pretty good. Obviously patting ourselves on the back, but outside of that, we're fantastic. If we don't do it, somebody, you know, <laughs> who's going to do it? <laughs> well, y'all, y'all, y'all been very entertaining in doing that. <laughs> I'm enjoying myself over here. Let me here. tell you, my back is red. I've been patting it so much, right? <laughs> So we are happy to have you here today. We know that you are here to speak with us about a specific organization that you support. But for the neighbors who don't know who you are, Mr. Thibodeau, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, um, I'm a 35-year resident of DeKalb County. I've been living in what is now the city of Stonecrest for 21 years. I'm one of the people who organized the Stonecrest City Alliance to help get the city of Stonecrest on the ballot and passed. Um, I also served as the chair of the governor's commission on the city of Stonecrest to help the initial government to get set up um, and get the residents prepared for the transition from county governance to municipal governance. Um, I'm also an internal auditor. I'm the chief of internal audits at the DeKalb County School District, have been for the last 10 years. And other than that, I'm just a community guy. I just want to see us grow and thrive. Thank you so much. Look, I learned something about you. I did not know what your occupation was. And I had the opportunity to interview the superintendent. Well, I don't know if it was really interview or moderate. That's the appropriate word for the superintendent with the SDIAE. He was a very, very interesting and intelligent person. And that's kind of cool that you work amongst that group that I am becoming more and more familiar with. I don't pay as much attention to DeKalb County Schools as I need to. But having you here, Mr. Thibodeau, is very important because we have so many of our neighbors who reach out about concerns that they have within the DeKalb County school system. Them, especially amongst our students who have disability. Wow, that's um, that's interesting. Um, shortly after the establishment of the city, my wife Stacy and I founded the Stonecrest Schools Foundation. Um, and what our function is primarily is to solicit the support of our business community to assist our schools in supporting our students. Everything that we do goes into the classroom. It goes to curriculum or it goes to uh, supporting students in uh, academic competition, um, also uh, providing uh, teachers with supplies and things of that sort, that kind of the typical uh, support that we do. But uh, the schools, we are very passionate about it. Um, the city government may not be able to do many things officially to support the schools, I mean, outside of the um, giving the care, the care, CARES Act funds, um, but if strong communities build strong schools. Um, that's our motto, and uh, we work on that every day. See, now we got a double whammy on this episode. You see that? You see how it works? It just, it just slid right on in. It was like a puzzle piece yeah. that fits so beautifully, but we're going to have to bring you back to talk more about that, hopefully along with the superintendent. So, Quick, quick question, Mr. Hey. Tibbeton. 21 years. Sure. That's a long time. In Stonecrest. Was the mall even around that time? The mall had just opened. Um, the mall opened shortly before 9-11. Mm, okay. Um, and we moved um, into this community um, Labor Day weekend 20, 2002. Okay. So almost exactly a year after 9-11. That's a long time. That's Yeah. I didn't even live in this state. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. I was I was barely <laughs> illegal. Right. I was about to say I'm, I think I was barely legal. Look at me. 
I'm just a young little teeny bopper. Okay, fine. You could let me have you, it. But anyway. I'm just shaking my head. Shake on, Fred. Pat yourself on the back. How about that? So moving on now, Mr. Thibodeau, we definitely, again, want to remember to invite you back to talk more about the DeKalb County Schools because we feel that we owe our listeners a true conversation around that. Right. Absolutely. I think that's one of the topics that we've been wanting to um, pot about for a while and get some people on. So... Well, it's an open door now, so now we put it out there into the universe. So moving on to our original topic and thought of conversation for today. Do you mind telling us a bit about your organization and what it does for our community? Now, you're saying an organization. I belong to a bunch of organizations. (laughs) But um, for the city of Stonecrest, um, I belong to two organizations that directly impact what we do here. Uh, One is the Stonecrest uh, Business Alliance, uh, which my wife, Stacy is the vice chair. And I'm also on the board of the Arabian Mountain Heritage Area Alliance. Um, I'm the treasurer of that organization, and um, I'm on the executive committee. Um, I've been with the Arabian Mountain Heritage Alliance for I think going on five or six years now. I replaced um, Council Member George Turner. One of the rules of the Alliance Board is that we don't have office holders. Um, so when Mr. Turner became our city councilman, I was drafted to join Arabian Mountain Heritage Alliance. And we've kind of got our hands, you know, in everything that goes on around here. It's not just a trail. We have, you know, all this space. We also have historical amenities like Flat Rock Museum, as well as the Bruce Street renovation and restoration. So there's a lot that, you know, we kind of dig into and get involved with in the city of Stonecrest. All for the good. That is fantastic. We definitely have a relationship with the Arabia Mountain Alliance, and it's been a great one so far, especially understanding all of the historical preservation that they work earnestly to keep. So we're very, very grateful. Now, when we had a discussion with you, um, I can't remember how long ago it was. We happened to bump into you. We were like, oh, Mr. Thibodeau, how are you? And then you let us know that you are also a member of another organization or you have an understanding about another organization that is kind of like the um, citizen's counterpart to Discover Cab. The president of Decide Cab, Dorian DeBar, um, had a vision of... A, com- a group of community members who could learn about economic development directly from the authority and help to educate the citizens of South, particularly South DeKalb, and how economic development works. What are the early signs? What are um, ways of determining what the need is? And how can we preserve our communities while we grow them? Uh, the name of this organization is called Advocate DeKalb. And there are, um, if I'm not mistaken, 10 or 11 members on this board, um, a a swath of people from different walks of life. Um, We have public servants like fire chiefs. Uh, We have community activists. We have nonprofits represented. We have HOA associations represented. Um, And so there's a number of people serving on this committee, and our main goal is to educate 
the average DeKalb County resident on how economic development works. There's a lot of misinformation out there when it comes to economic development. Of course, people are afraid of gentrification. They're afraid of being taxed out of their homes. Um, the fact that we have a housing shortage right now is also a little bit problematic. But then there's also concerns about what the wrong type of development can do to a community or when a community is stagnant and gets no development, how can residents become proactive in attracting uh, new economic development, new and desired economic development? And so that's the organization I belong to. I've been with this organization for about 11 months. We only started it in January of 2023, so it's relatively new. Um, but we are learning a lot. We are covering a lot of ground. Um, and there's just a lot of information that, you know, we'd like to get out there to our, our constituents. Thank you so much. That is very good information. And I definitely see how that can um, support us here um, in Stonecrest. Can you kind of um, help me get a clearer understanding of how that leads to the economic development within our city? Okay, so when Stonecrest first started, when I was on the City Alliance, what we were able to determine is that there are three, for lack of a better term, natural areas of economic development in Stonecrest. We have an industrial area, which uh, actually we have two of them. We have the Snapfinger Woods um, Industrial Park and we have the Lithonia Industrial Park. Um, we also have the commercial and retail hub, the biggest one being at the mall at Stonecrest and the surrounding area. And then we also have Covington Highway and Panola Road areas where we have neighborhood and um, suburban development. And then finally, we have uh, residential areas uh, where we have our parks, where we need neighborhood development and connectivity. And so the way that we envisioned the city growing is that the industrial area would bring in jobs um, like freight and light industry. Um, and that would in turn spur um, commerce in our retail areas at the mall and up and down Panola Road in the areas that are already developed. And then the taxes from those activities would then fund a higher quality of life in the residential areas. Um, by enhancing our parks, um, by um, bringing us, allowing us to afford sidewalks to make our communities more walkable, um, and a number of other amenities um, that our residents have desired for a long time. The question is, how do you make all three of those things happen at the same time while not bringing in undesirable development that would tend to bring the neighborhoods down? Now, you said the key thing. You took it right out of my mouth. How do we make sure that those businesses aren't averse to what the community wants, needs, desires? I was thinking the same thing because you hear a lot in the community, people want to preserve green space and they want some people want more industry to come in. So you have to kind of find a balance between the two, right? Absolutely. So is this what Advocate to Cab would help us determine? Yes. Um, first of all, our economic development authorities, what their job is, is to find uh, not only developers, but also business owners um, of any type of business, whether it's a job producing business, whether it's retail or even residential, and 
find projects that fit the neighborhoods where we want to locate them. It's really not about um, shoving anything down the throats of the residents that there is a desire for. That doesn't serve anybody. It doesn't serve the businesses that want to expand, and it does, certainly doesn't uh, benefit the community. It's about finding a match. Um, one of the things, though, that can you know kind of inhibit that is when people who are residents don't quite understand um, when you knock one thing down, um, your, tr your goal is to put something up there that would be of benefit. Um, and not just necessarily everybody's coming here to clear out our space and to put whatever they want. And I think that, you know, and I'm not saying that it's not, not called for, but there's a lot of concern about, um, developers coming in and, um, devaluing our community with undesirable development. And the answer to that primarily is in engaging our city officials and making sure that the zoning decisions that they make are in line with the desires of the community. Um, zoning is not necessarily set in stone. However, the changes that can be made can always be made with conditions that are conducive to the goals of the community. All right, now, now you're talking. Now I know that our DM is going to blow up, but that's okay, Mr. Thibodeau. We asked you to come here, so I'm not going to get upset for all the people that's about to slide in there and tell me all the things. What are you going to be saying? What are you going to be saying? I'm not going to... Look, I don't even want to encourage them. They know what they're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> that's why we have anonymous turned off. They have to say it with their chest, whatever they're going to come to say. <laughs> all right, so there's that. The idea of us doing that, us finding the match, right? I know that we've had some economic impacts that were beyond our control as a city, right? So for instance, when we consider um, things like COVID, right? The pandemic and that changing the way people work and how we view ourselves as working professionals, um, how will we still have economic development in the new culture that has been created um, post-pandemic. Let, let's look at the effects of COVID, um, both good and bad. Uh, we've had the bad effects. There's, they're easy to see. We had job loss. We had business closures, big businesses closing. We lost a number of uh, major retailers during the course of the um, pandemic and the shutdown. Um, it spurred a housing crisis um, when people were out of work and um, weren't able to, and landlords couldn't evict. It kind of had a standstill in the housing market, along with the inflation that came along and then the Fed raising interest rates. Um, and that made things difficult for consumers across the board. But there were also some good effects of COVID that were visible in our community right here in Stonecrest. Uh, we saw local businesses open and succeed because people were close to home and they weren't commuting across town. So the dollar stayed in the community. We also had an uptick in entrepreneurship, uh, people applying for business licenses, opening new businesses, even home-based businesses, or converting their careers where they had jobs into self-employment and people being able to work from home and determine 
you know, their own time. And then we also uh, saw a growth in logistics. As these big box stores closed, because people were ordering more and more from home, that raised the need for trucking, transportation, the last mile of delivery. And those are things that, uh, that is one industry that Stonecrest is poised to take advantage of if we make the right decisions. So COVID was a mixed bag for the city of Stonecrest. That's not to discount the suffering and, and, and the economic hardships that people are still dealing with, but it also did create some opportunity for the city. And for those of us who were kind of thinking ahead and looking for opportunity um, in the downturn, um, some people really made out okay. Yeah, I know. Changed our lives. I was just about to say that. I know that we definitely were birthed during COVID and not in the way that we anticipated. We started a business, uh, a business. <laughs> Hold on, let me, let me start that over. We started a business, a podcast actually, that we based off of metrics, based off of historical data and what we would be able to do with earning sponsorships and everything. But there was some unforeseen um, opportunities that came, well, some unforeseen tragedies that then in turn did lead to some opportunities later on down the line. But for instance, there's a combination snack in 2020 and one was COVID, but number two was the murder of George Floyd. It changed the trajectory of how people wanted to consume content and also how we were engaging with one another. So businesses, large corporations were now open to giving dollars to black and brown people everywhere because of multiple reasons that we will not spend time describing today. But I believe that that had the impact on saving some businesses and also destroying others because of how those dollars were being distributed with out a lot of, um, I don't want to uh, management, right? It was just kind of going out there to say, hey, look, we gave money to XYZ cause and it may not have been something that was valuable to the community. You're just trying to get stuff out there to say that, hey, we're trying to make a difference based on this. And also, um, we don't want you to get sick. So we're going to give money to COVID, you know, causes and learning. It's just... It was a lot going on in 2020. I think, I think COVID has also started the hugest gig economy. I find a lot of people have gone mm-hmm. into entrepreneurship and starting their own businesses on the side and still working. The outlook is different going forward. Right. Well, when you think about it, inflation in this time of rising prices, usually prices get up to a point to where people stop buying. And that is when um, the interest rates start to come down because they want people to borrow money to buy things. But we haven't gotten there yet. So that means that people are making money. Um, People are making money. I don't know if you call it under the table. I don't know if you call it a hidden economy um, that just has not. We haven't found a way to capture those numbers yet. But people are prospering um, in ways that we're not seeing. And it's definitely occurring uh, within the footprint of of Stonecrest. Um, We see that happening every day. I see more and more people uh, opting to retire. Or like we said, um, we're seeing the uptick in in business licenses and and local commerce. And so people are not slowing down in spending their money, despite how much debt that, that, that everybody says that we're in 
despite how the interest rates have risen. So um, I would say that the stories hasn't the story hasn't been written yet on the total effects of COVID on our economy, because I think that there is uh, some silver lining and pr- probably quite a bit more than what we thought. I absolutely agree. I know that there are some peers and family members of mine who during about 2021, right, everyone is like, hey, there's going to be so many foreclosures. I'm not purchasing a home. I'm waiting. This is crazy. The housing prices, I refuse, I refuse, I refuse. And now housing, as you mentioned, there's a shortage and the prices are at an all-time high. And those who were able to buy have now priced themselves out. There are so many things that people did not foresee or they anticipated that it was going to be a cycle similar to what occurred in 2008, and it has not been the case. So to your point, this is new uncharted territory. Yeah, everybody's buying. Yeah, um, actually, the last time that we had a meeting at Advocate DeKalb, that was the topic of conversation was tiny homes and ordinances that are being put together to promote tiny homes. Now, what we were discussing was in unincorporated DeKalb, but at the same time, it's just a matter of our uh, city officials looking at what DeKalb County is doing as far as tiny homes and other uh, creative ways to build the housing inventory. And if there's things that fit inside Stonecrest, to try to to adopt some of those policies. Um, One thing that I know that the city will benefit from, although residents still haven't quite got a grasp of it, is increasing our density. Um, And that's residential density and not necessarily commercial density. Um, The more rooftops you have in a particular area, the more investment is directed there. Uh, the more amenities are directed in those areas. And so while we love our big spread out estate homes, um, you know, a 3,000 foot house sitting on an acre of land, um, that's not what's driving investment these days. What's driving investment is where uh, we have some density, We have some walkability. We have access to transit. um, And we're, you know, our area becomes more attractive, not only to uh, people who are entering into their prime uh, earning years, but those businesses that want to service those people. Man, because when I think about when you're talking about density, there are a lot of concerns with the amount of townhomes that are being built in the city and also the quality of those townhomes. So when we think of future density, are we thinking of mixed use similar to Atlantic Station or just higher quality townhomes than what we're currently seeing? I think you say, I think both. You have the mixed use that's similar to Atlantic Station. Um, I look more in the direction of the Bill Kennedy um, Street area further down Memorial Drive inside the city of Atlanta, where you don't necessarily have the high rise office buildings, but you have kind of like the brownstone style of uh, of neighborhood outlay, uh, where you have the commercial mixed in with the residential, but it's still walkable. We still have trees there. 
Um, your streets are not extra wide. There are two to four lane roads, uh, roads where you have pedestrian crossings and things of that sort. That's the kind of uh, neighborhood development that I think would be attractive to Stonecrest and amenable to the residents who are already here. Um, just in my neighborhood on Browns Mill Road, within a two-mile radius, we have a park with a water, uh, with an aqua park. Uh, we have an elementary school, we have a library, we have a middle school, and we have a shopping area. And there's no sidewalks connecting those, but there's empty lots also separating those. And that's where I think we can see um, some mixed-use development um, that can increase the density but also bring the kind of infrastructure that we need to our neighborhoods so that we're not all piling up in cars to get to everything that's close to 20 because right now that's where almost all of our commercial development is, right along the I-20 corridor. You are talking that good talk right now. So more density will lead to greater development and more amenities in with, well, within specific residential clusters. And we could utilize the empty and vacant spaces that are kind of in between our residential areas with more commercial opportunities versus um, some of the unwanted things that are trying to fill those spaces like uh, storages or gas stations or what is the other liquor stores? <clears throat> I don't even like liquor, right. so I'm definitely not pro <laughs> <laughs> liquor store. So. Well, what a lot of people don't understand is that, because you know, our, the, the United States <clears throat> and our government and our economy is based on private property rights. Okay? So, Take that into consideration, and then you look at someone who buys a piece of land or invests in a piece of land that has a particular type of zoning. What a lot of people don't understand is that if a piece of land is zoned for a particular thing, if no changes are needed for that zoning, in that zoning for them to build something, they can go on and build it. So in other words, if a piece of land on a corner lot of, of, of a, whether it's a state highway or a major road, if that's zoned for a gas station, then people can build a gas station there, okay? But what I find is that developers are willing to hear and listen because they don't want an uphill battle. So what we have to do is that we have to also envision what we want so that when developers want to bring something to us, we can say, we don't want a gas station there, but we will accept A, B, or C, as opposed to just saying no to everything. Because at the end of the day, if they can't build something, they will build what the land is zoned for. And unfortunately, there's a lot of land here that's zoned for gas stations and public storage and those types of things, which is why you see some of these projects coming up at a greater frequency than the things that we really want. Right. So maybe I'm misremembering, but don't we currently have a moratorium on storage facilities as well as yes. gas stations too? Yes, but those can't go on forever because somebody's going to eventually file a lawsuit and say, you're holding us up from um, using our property or profiting off of our property 
we eventually will have to pass permanent ordinances or permanent zoning changes uh, for for us to develop the way that we want. Moratoriums don't last forever. We can't just hold them in limbo. And so we have to come up with permanent solutions to these issues. Listen, see, <laughs> education at its finest, only on the Stonecrest podcast. No. <laughs> no, no, that is excellent, excellent, excellent information because I don't think that we as a community really understand because we celebrate there's been a moratorium on this or there's been a moratorium and that, but it is not a long-term solution. So what are we doing? We can't just get angry enough for them to say, okay, we're going to stop it for now. We have to make sure that we are getting with our council members and helping them understand that we want to stop these particular things from coming because A, we only need so many based off of the density and stuff here and we will revisit it, right, if it increases. But I still to this day feel like we could probably add um, 500 thousand more houses and we don't need any more gas stations. I feel like there's a lot of them in Stonecrest. <laughs> well, one of the things that some people don't realize is that the old DeKalb County land use plan, because we have so many state highways, I mean, if you look at our streets, if you look at the signs as you're driving them, you'll see the signs for state highways. So Browns Mill Road is a state highway. Snapfinger Road is a state highway. Covington Highway is a state highway. Well, one of the remnants of the old DeKalb County land use plan was that corners, corner lots on state highways, the acre at the corner uh, is zoned for traveler services, which is gas stations. And so... Those are the types of things that are kind of lingering back there in the background um, where nobody's seen a need to build a gas station on every corner, but um, that threat is still certainly there. And so we definitely need to um, dig into our comprehensive plan again to make sure that um, some of those things are altered or removed um, and so that we can really do some comprehensive planning on the direction that we want our city to go. I'm muted. Oh, we're not muted. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Thibodeau, I promise that we are definitely engaged. Um, <laughs> we just are confused on when we're muted and not. We try to mute when you're speaking so that right. we're not. Like breathing okay. and all that stuff. So <laughs> while you're talking, it's like... <gasps> <laughs> like, but what? as you were talking, I realized how much we don't know. We don't know. I've been Covington Highway, State Highway. Listen. These type of streets are in Stonecrest, so that means that changes a lot of what we can and can't do, right? Uh, uh, right. I mean, this remember, this was an agricultural area 50 years ago. I mean, we had dairy farms and horse farms and farm farms. Right, when you think about Vodder's um, Farm, right? It was a whole dairy yeah. farm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, you know, these state highways were there so that these folks could get their produce to market. And so and then you had very little residential developments until people started moving here. And then you cut into the farms to build subdivisions. But the main roads here, a lot of them are state highways that were designed just for that to get agricultural products to the market. And so we're, you know, dealing with, I mean, we are just now the stewards of this, of, of, of this land 
while we're here. But there were people before that had a purpose. We have our purpose. And then our kids and grandkids, they'll have a purpose for this for this land once we're gone. And so it's just about the transition from what it was to what we need and what we feel that, you know, our progeny will, will need in the future. So all those are mechanic shops on Compton Highway, we can't <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't think my kid needs those, right? They're going to be driving, like, you know, flying cars and all kind of other stuff. They won't even need oil changes or tires. Can we right. Can we get rid of this? All right. Well, can we just can we just switch to the electric so that we don't have, you know, all this nasty pollution and um, gasoline and oil? You know, gas stations wouldn't be harmful to the environment if they were charging stations. Right, exactly. You know? Which I, I really quickly want to give credit. I appreciate that in Stonecrest at the Publix, as well as at the Publix that's on Panola Road, at the Kroger that is on Covington Highway, there are charging stations. I don't ever see anyone charging there, but I see the charging stations at those locations. And I just want to say shout out to the city for having that available. Well, that Publix on Panola Road is my regular Publix, and I've seen people waiting to charge. Yeah, I need to go over there more frequently full. just so I can see it for myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, they are they the charging stations are quite busy, particularly on the Tesla end. There's a bank of Tesla chargers, and then there's a bank of chargers, I guess, for every other kind of car. Um, and so I see the Hondas and the Rivians and. Um, those cars over on the other side and then Tesla's um, on on the side where that bank of chargers are. But they are constantly used, well, believe well, me. Well, that is very good news. So I won't talk crap anymore. You know, way to shut my mouth wide open. All right. Mr. Tibble, <laughs> you stirred up a lot of thought. Um, I have a lot of questions that's probably dumb that I need to ask. But yeah. we're going to have to get you back on for another episode Absolutely. for sure. Because I know we have definitely taken more of your time than we committed to. But I think that you have left a lot of opportunity to breed intelligent discussion amongst the neighbors, as well as set the stage for you to come back again, not only to talk about the school thing, but also to continue this economic development conversation, which was a great concern during this past election. So let's go ahead, if you don't mind, commit to some more opportunities for us to have this and also introduce some other folks to this conversation so that we can make sure that we are fully educated. So when we go to city council, we're speaking from a place of understanding, not just speculation. Well, that's great. I'm always open for these conversations. Uh, anything that has to do with improving our community, improving our quality of life, and building a future for our kids and grandkids. I'm always down for that discussion. Absolutely. Well, God bless you. Thank you for joining us this yes, evening. Thank you. And to our neighbors, catch you next time. BBD Stone Press Podcast. Spreading awareness within our community. community, community.